So, yeah, I brought that great beer for next Thursday night to share with you guys, but um, did you hear that open by itself up here? So, it's, you know, you might think, oh yeah, Simcha Torah next Thursday night, I remember that's the holiday where you drink beer, right? No, I totally made it up. Um, but I thought, uh, there's so many excellent beers um, in the Bay Area, and um, I'm not talking like, you know, like Coors or Budweiser. Um, you can bring them if that's your favorite beer, but I won't drink it with you, so. Um, <laughs> so this special beer is called Brother Thelonious, Belgian-style Abbey Ale, and it's from the North Coast Brewing Company up in Mendocino. Um, they're hard to come by. So my hope is that um, everybody will bring a really cool beer next Thursday night. Um, how many people here have ever celebrated Simcha Torah before? Raise your hand. Um, super excellent. We're going to do just young adult Simcha Torah. Um, Marsha and I are going to be, Cantor Addy and I are going to be leading the um, very short service, which really is just drinking the beer and taking the Torahs out, circling the entire community with the Torah, doing a quick highlight of the Torah stories. Um, sometimes we get people to come and read their, their Torah portions from their bar bat mitzvah after like six beers. Um, that sounds really fun. Um, and then there's a tradition of doing seven hakafot, or seven circuits, holding um, the Torahs dancing around. And so instead of doing traditional hora, Cantor Addy is going to be leading us. We're going to do um, one with the pata pata from South Africa. We're going to do salsa. We're going to do, um, what else are we doing? Ballroom dancing. Um, twerking? Oh, sorry. That's, that, would be the, that would be Simcha Torah, twerking and Torahs. Um, so it's going to be seven different great dances. We will do the Hora and Mayim and all those traditional Jewish dances, but we're going to do um, a lot of great dancing and bring your favorite beer. If you don't, if you don't drink beer, bring your favorite beverage of choice. Um, this was just mine. And uh, we hope that you'll come next Thursday night. It starts at 8.30 and it's going to go probably, you know, a couple hours of dancing and drinking and um, actually learning um, what it's like to feel like the entire Torah is around you. So a little bit of um, kind of Jewish trivia. If you take the entire Torah, um, and this will tell me who was here for Kol Nidre and who listened to my sermon, um, but don't feel badly if you didn't, because you know today you could just get a podcasted sermon. You don't even come to services anymore. You just get you know Cantoretti's music and you have your own coffee at home. And you can get the podcasted sermon. But if you listen to the sermon, um, what is the first and last letter of the Torah? Bat is the very first letter of the Torah. What's the very let? Thank you, Lamed. Excellent. So the very last letter of the Torah is from the word Yisrael. And if you link it up and you go around the entire room, back to the beginning of the Torah, and you link the Lamed and Yisrael to the Bet of Bereshit. And what does Bereshit mean? In the beginning. In the beginning. Um, then you have the word Lev. And what's Lev? Heart. And so I love, I love the way that on Simcha Torah, you can get you know, the entire Torah wrapped around you and you end up in the middle, like the heart of the community. So most of us, how many people have been in a sukkah ever? Okay, so if you haven't been in a sukkah or you have, at the end of the service tonight, before you go downstairs to um, drink beer and be in fellowship and community together um, and sign up for all of those things that the Young Adult Leadership Committee has planned for you in the next few weeks, um, I'm gonna invite you to come into the sukkah with us and shake the lulav. Okay? Has anybody here not shaken a lulav ever in their lives? Okay, if you haven't, it is a mitzvah. It says in Leviticus that you're supposed to take the four species and you bring them together and you shake them to acknowledge the presence of God in the world. Um, anybody know what the four species are? Just shout them out. 
and Etrog. Noah, come on, give me a... Oh, it's, is it Noah crying? No. Who's crying? <laughs> Who's crying? Oh, that's your, okay, that's your name. Okay, all right, it's, it's fine. I think a lot of people cry after I give a sermon. Um, <laughs> after I give the sermon. So... Just to, you know, if, if it seems like, God, this, like, what is the rabbi doing? What is the rabbi holding? I think it's really a phenomenal arc of Chagim, of holidays, um, where we start the very first day of the year on Rosh Hashanah when there's absolutely no moon. It's totally dark, and we come together as this massive community, and we think about the birthday of the world. And we take those 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to kind of open up a place in ourselves, empty ourselves out of whatever it is, like the detritus, the residue from the past year. Or maybe, you know, not all bad, hard things happen only in the past year. I think it's a, it's a misconception that on Yom Kippur, you're letting go of just the stuff from the last year, because most of us, if you have any, like, does anybody here have a family? <laughs> If you have one, then you're probably, you've dragged some of the stuff through your life with you to the past year, and it gives you an opportunity every year to open yourself up in those 10 days. And on Yom Kippur, it's supposed to be really an empty place, as close to your own physical and spiritual death as you can possibly be in your life. And it's not that Judaism is a morose or death-focused, we're a very life-focused um, community and tradition, but death is life, and life is death. And so on Yom Kippur, you put on a kittle, some of you might have seen us wearing just, it's a white shroud, basically. Um, and it's what you're supposed to be married in, and it's what you're supposed to be buried in, and it's what you're supposed to wear on Yom Kippur to remind yourselves, life is very, very short. And Sukkot is five days after Yom Kippur, like the emptiest, darkest place where you open yourself up and you say, I'm letting go, and I'm going to give birth to myself. And it's very spiritual. We come to Sukkot, and it's actually the first mitzvah that you do is that you start building the sukkah right after you break the fast of Yom Kippur. And you build this very temporary structure. It, can, it has to have at least three uh, walls, and you can't have a roof on it. And as a matter of fact, the stuff that you put on the roof is the most difficult thing to pronounce in, in Hebrew. It's called skach. Can you say that? Skach. Skach. Can you say it, Cantor? Schach, right. I know, schach, I know, it's hard to say. Um, and that actually, schach, is the three root letters of the holiday of Sukkot. The samech and the ch are the covering that you can see through and you can look up. And um, if you go to Israel, everybody has a sukkah outside of their home. And I thought, God, how uncomfortable is that? Because in the Bible it says you're supposed to live in the sukkah for the seven nights. 
And if you go to, how many people here have ever been to Israel during um, Sukkot? It's so amazing because everybody has a sukkah right outside of their house. And they also have their refrigerator, their DVD player, they, have their, they, they electrify it, they have their beds, um, and they eat and they drink. They literally dwell in the sukkah for those seven nights. And it's in usually around October, so it's gorgeous outside, kind of like it is out tonight. Um, it's a little cold. Um, I wouldn't recommend sleeping in the sukkah. Did anybody bring their sleeping bag tonight? No? That's the mitzvah, is you're supposed to actually dwell in the sukkah, you're supposed to eat in it, um, you're supposed to do one more thing, which is you're supposed to invite your guests into the sukkah. Nobody is allowed to eat alone in the sukkah. Um, and what's so great about Emmanuel is we have this, the sukkah in the courtyard, and every single day we have hordes and hordes of people coming. Sometimes people just will walk from work to come over and eat lunch in the sukkah, um, to say the blessing, and um, to leshev basukah which means to dwell or sit in the sukkah together. And of course, we have the preschool here every single day. And so like anybody who's like knee size or short or eating the sukkah is especially cute um, if they're not crying. Um, and, they, and they love the, the physical nature. They love the sensual nature of this holiday. And I do too, because it is, it's kind of going from emptiness and it reminds you that we used to be not only nomadic people, but we used to be totally tied to the earth. Like, we used to grow our own stuff. You guys might have wondered why we have, like, a gourd festival behind me. Um, it's, it's just to remind us of the Harvest Festival um, and that, that Sukkot is supposed to take us out of this time when we feel empty into a place of fullness and richness. Um, but it's also supposed to remind us that um, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, that we are just physical beings and there's a vulnerability and a frailty in being human and that these things that we gather together, these four species, first the etrog, um, which these four things are supposed to remind you of different parts of a human's body. Um, the etrog is what? The heart. And if it's, a if it's kosher, it has the pitome on it. And the pitome is this tiny little stem, and if the pitom falls off, it's not kosher anymore. Um, and it comes from the word, pitom is the same word as pitma, which is nipple, okay? That's where it comes from. It's a, I told you it's a very sensual holiday, okay? So it's supposed to be your heart. Um, you can guess what the uh, lulav is, right? Your spine, your spine. The lulav is the spine. The, I'm not going to go into the sukkah with you people. Um, God only knows what's going to happen in there tonight. I mean, that's like, you know, that is also a mitzvah. Um, but that, that's, that's supposed to happen after the chuppah, not the sukkah. Okay, so what? It's a double mitzvah if it's in the sukkah? Oh, on Shabbat, it's a double mitzvah. It's a triple mitzvah if you do it in the sukkah after the chuppah on Shabbat. In I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of mitzvot, so. <laughs> so the heart, the spine, um, the myrtle is um, your eyes. And what do you think this is? Some people say it's, right, it's your lips. It's your lips or your tongue. And so um, when you think about what you see, what you feel, what your backbone is like, the words that come out of your mouth that we are such physical beings, um, what you do with this is that you um, say the blessing and you have the pitom facing downward. You say the blessing and then you take the pitom and you face it up. Um, and the blessing, you could say it after me, is Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kidshanu, Bamitzvotav, 
Vitsivanu. Al. Nitilat. Lulav. And then you take the etrog and you point it up, and then you shake the lulav and the etrog in all the directions where there is divine presence, the presence of God or holiness in the world. So you literally go into the sukkah and you shake it to the east and the south and the north and the west. Um, and you do that for seven days. And on the seventh day is this festival called Hoshana Rabbah. And on Hoshana Rabbah, you're supposed to do seven circuits again in the temple. And Sukkot was called Hechag. It was the most important uh, festival in the entire Jewish calendar. It's mentioned more times, and it's called Zman um, Simchatenu, which is the festival of happiness, of joy. Um, and I think it's so interesting because it's all about, it's all about impermanence and it is represented by the things that we take for granted so much were like our physical selves. And so on the seventh day, you do the seven circuits um, around the synagogue and they take the lulav and the etrog and they shake them so hard that all of the greens that have now dried out fall onto the ground of the synagogue. And it reminds us of everything. That's where we're all coming. That's where we're all going. That's where we're all coming from. Um, and that there was a time when it mattered to us what came out of the earth. And um, tonight when we had Shabbat dinner, Rebecca Etzokin said that um, she grows it, she has the food grown very, very close to us and knows that every single person who has touched the food from the time it comes out of the ground until it comes into our lips, um, the people who have helped the food to grow and prepared it have been treated well. And I think that's just a beautiful metaphor for um, what Sukkot is all about, the harvest. Um, and I also wanna just um, remind us that this is a time um, when we're commanded not only to acknowledge the frailty of being human um, and the importance of impermanence in our lives, but that that can be a blessing because there are things that we carry around with us that are just momentary. And if we hold on to them sometimes out of fear or anxiety or we think they're good for us, they get in our way, if we realize they're just a moment Sometimes going through these passages together, even just on Shabbat, can help us to let go of whatever it is that's binding us. So if everybody could take one of those things in their mind right now, something from this year, something from today, something that you have hoped that you could let go of, and maybe you went through Yom Kippur when it was really dark, and Sukkot is the brightest time of the month because it comes on the 15th when there's a full, full moon, and think about that brightness. Think about what Sukkot can offer us in terms of letting go of the things that we might feel are permanent parts of us that are really not necessary, that are really not good for us or the people who love us.